We have embarked, if you will, on a four-week journey to Easter here in the season of Lent. For many of us, it began with your weekday practices at the start of this given week. If you're using the participant's guide, uh, if you've not received the participant's guide, we do have more of those out in the commons at the Resource Center. But uh, what that resource guide provides us with in this four-week series are what are described as weekday practices, putting some of these disciplines into practice, this journey of Easter. So today we start into the teaching component of this four-week series. And I know that some in those weekday practices have also been challenging ourselves in the area of fasting. And this past week, within that participant's guide, has been the encouragement that maybe uh, fasting from something, from some food item, or maybe a meal, or just, you know, on an occasion over the course of this week, reminds us in a powerful way what sacrifice looks like, even if it might be in our small way. This morning, as we start into this teaching part of our series, our theme is the love of Jesus. And with that, I want to ask if you'd bow your heads with me for a moment as we pray. Father, we come to you this morning, and we are just so incredibly grateful for the, the time that we can have in your word, God, for the time that we can spend collectively in worship God, for those here in person, for those joining us online, may we all feel a part of what your Spirit is doing in our hearts and in this place and wherever we may be at. God, for you promise to be there with us by your Spirit as we gather for the purpose of honoring you and growing in you. Lord, I ask that you would guide us in our time today that as we begin this journey of Easter, as we anticipate the wonderful things that Easter brings to us, might we be mindful, Lord, of what it took to get us to the Easter celebration. Lord, we honor you in our time. Speak to us, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, having just come out of our Rooted in Christ series on the book of Colossians, I trust that you're remembering that. If you haven't forgotten it already, I know we spent nine weeks in total in the book of Colossians. I, in light of that recent Rooted series, I want us to hear the Apostle Paul's prayer that is offered to another fellowship of believers, another church, this being the church in Ephesus. This scripture that I'm about to read is actually included in this week's uh, reading within the participant guide of this journey to Easter, this being in Ephesians chapter 3, beginning in verse 17. Paul says, I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and how long and high and deep is the love of Christ, and to know this love that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Paul prays, he says, that you may be rooted that you may be established in this thing we know as love, that you might understand or grasp more fully 
how wide and long and high and deep is this love of Christ. I want us to let that just kind of sink in for a few moments, that description. And as we allow that description of the, how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ, I want us to also note that we see that the love of Jesus is uncontainable. The love of Jesus is uncontainable, but we also then recognize that the love of Jesus really is immeasurable. I wonder when in your life experience you have been absolutely blown away by the magnitude of something. Now, I'm not suggesting you need to over-spiritualize that answer in your mind at the moment, but just think of any time that you've been blown away with the magnitude of maybe an event, the magnitude of an accomplishment, or even something that was erected or a structure made by human hands, the, the magnitude of a natural wonder that we see in our world today. I know for me, some of those awe moments, one of which being the first time I saw the Grand Canyon. And of course, having seen pictures time and time again of the Grand Canyon, it was something to behold, to see it in person and to just get a sense of the scope of the Grand Canyon and the magnitude of it all. I think of in an event and in commemoration of such an event when a few years back that Lori and I and some others had a chance to be in Berlin and we went to the Holocaust Museum and we really felt the full scope of the number of Jews that lost their lives and what six million begins to look like country by country in such a horrific event. We all encounter things both in awe and maybe also in grief where we are simply blown away by the magnitude of something. Well, when it comes in a positive light to the love of God, know that the love of Jesus is uncontainable. Know that the love of Jesus is immeasurable. And might I ask again the question that I've cited in recent weeks is simply this. How big is your God? When it comes to the love of God, how, how big can you begin to get a picture of the love of God for you? As we journey to Easter, we acknowledge that the celebration of Easter this year on April 4th is only made possible by the sacrifice of a Savior. Celebration made possible by sacrifice. Within the Wednesday evening study, it was mentioned in our announcements this morning that I'm I'm leading that discussion based on the teachings of pastor and author J.D. Greer. J.D. summarizes the whole Easter message in four words, and they're these. It says, Jesus in my place. He says, if I were to encapsulate the whole message of Easter and what Jesus was willing to do, it was this statement, Jesus in my place. 
Friends, you see, we are afforded a redemptive opportunity. We are afforded a redemption decision because Jesus went before us. That he carried our sin, he carried your sin to the cross. He became the substitute. The substitutionary atonement is the theological term. He became the atonement, the substitute for the consequences of your sin. Jesus in my place. Paul says it like this in Romans chapter 5, beginning in verse 6. He said, you see, at just the right time, when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Paul says, very rarely will anyone die for a righteous person, though for a good person, someone might possibly dare to die. But Paul summarizes, he says, but God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. It's the reality that when we were at our worst, when you were at your worst, not even having been conceived at that time, but God knew who you were, when we were at our worst, Jesus sacrificed for us. Jesus took our place. John, the gospel writer in the New Testament, the one who refers to himself as the one whom Jesus loved. I mean, you've got to love that self-description. He doesn't say his name. He just says, the disciple whom Jesus loved. By the way, I'm speaking of myself, right, is what John says. He records Jesus' message to his disciples in the 15th chapter of John, this beginning in verse 9. Jesus says this to his disciples, as the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. And he challenged them. He says, now remain in my love. In verse 10, Jesus continues. He says, if you keep my commands, you will remain in my love. And a couple verses later, Jesus then says, my command is simply this, love each other as I have loved you. But the exclamation point comes in verse 14 of John chapter 15 when Jesus notes, he says, Greater love has no one than this, that he lay down his life for his friends. Greater love has no one than this, Jesus said, that he would be willing to lay down his life for his friends. And Jesus says, I call you friend, and for that reason I will lay down my life for you. Jesus says, you can say that you love, but until it is coupled with sacrifice. And one might question the love that you have for them. You see, the fact is, there is no greater love. No greater love than offering your life to save another. 
John the Apostle, this writer of the Gospel of John, also later writes in his epistle, 1 John, toward the end of your New Testament, he says this in 1 John 3.16. We know what John 3.16 says, right? For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever would believe in him shall not perish, but have eternal or everlasting life. John the Apostle pens that in the Gospel of John 3.16. But in the epistle of 1 John 3.16, we find this. He says, this is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us. There is no greater love than offering your life to save another. As we cited earlier in Ephesians 3, the scripture that we opened with, we acknowledge that it's more probable that a person would maybe consider dying for someone that they deem as good. For someone that they deem as a good person, maybe they would die. But understand that because we must understand in Jesus' actions that because he even loved his betrayers, he was willing to die for them. This was not Jesus saying, well, okay, they're relatively good people in, with good intent, and so I will die for them. Jesus had already noted that sometimes you might consider the giving of your life for someone you would deem as good, but how about someone who has betrayed you? The executioners, your executioners, the Roman officials, the Roman soldiers who hung you on that cross. And not just the Romans, but how about some who were closest to Jesus, some of his own disciples who betrayed him, Judas, who sold him for the pieces of silver, sold him out to the Romans. How about Peter? who insisted that if all other deny you, Jesus, I will never deny you. And then we know that Peter went on to deny Jesus three times. Back in the Gospel of John, in John chapter 21, we find the account of Jesus reinstating Peter. Jesus the betrayer, I mean, Peter the betrayer, Peter the one who was always quick to say, Lord, if all else fail you, surely I will not fail you. And yet Peter ends up denying Jesus three times. Jesus even loved his betrayers. He was even willing to die for them. But he was also willing to restore them. John chapter 21, of course, is a wonderful narrative of a Peter who I think is kind of lost and wondering how he will have any future engagement with this resurrected Jesus, this resurrected Messiah. And yet in those moments, Jesus invites Peter and the other disciples who are with him by that fire on the shore of the Sea of Galilee. And on that shore is this interesting line of questioning that Jesus proceeds with, with Peter. He says, Simon, son of John, he says, do you love me? 
Do you love me? How interesting it is that Jesus chose that question, a question centered around love, a question that would really ultimately show the devotion that Peter has for his risen Savior, for Jesus Christ. He simply asked Peter, Peter, Simon, son of John, is the other name for Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Think about it. True love doesn't consider the cost, right? True love doesn't consider the cost. I want you to think about it. When you've been in love with another person, when, when you're in love with that person, you do irrational things at times, right? We probably all have stories where it's like, well, in our, in our better logic, we probably wouldn't maybe have done some things, but when we're in love, love doesn't consider the cost. It doesn't consider the sacrifices. And of course, we're talking about a human love, but when it comes to God, when it comes to the sacrifice that Jesus made, Jesus' love didn't consider the cost. By no means was Jesus irrational in giving his life. He, in other words, he was very calculated. He was surrendered to the Father's plan. One that would come with the ultimate surrender and giving of his own life. Isaiah notes it as this in Isaiah 53, that he being Jesus was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was upon him, and by his wounds we are healed. Friends, as you see the love of Jesus, recognize that this is a love that doesn't consider the cost. In fact, have you considered that you have a God who literally loves you to death? We so flippantly use that phrase at times, right? That we love someone to death. Maybe it's not a real as common a phrase as it once was, but have you considered that you have a God who literally loves you so much that he loves you to death, the giving of his own son's life? The reality is, is that the love of Jesus pursues you. The love of Jesus pursues each of us. We find in Luke's gospel, in Luke chapter 15, three distinct parables, what I might describe as the parables of love. You know them as the parables of the, the, the lost sheep, right? And the lost coin and the lost son. And through each of those parables that Jesus tells, he is reinforcing God's love for those that he has created and not want, wanting even one to be lost. A love that is willing to restore. A love that is willing to find what has been lost and to restore to right relationship with God. In God, we see in these parables, we have a love that is flat out relentless. We have a love in God that is relentless. He will go to great lengths to find you. He will go to great lengths to pursue you. He will go to great lengths so that there might be reconciliation with him in that intended relationship. 
We said early on that the love of Jesus, right, is uncontainable and that it's immeasurable. And now I would add to that that the love of Jesus is redemptive. The love of Jesus is redemptive. How wonderful it is that in his love is in fact life. In his love is life. And in this journey to Easter, in this road that Jesus had to walk that came with great sacrifice, the surrendering of his own life, he willingly walked that road for us so that in his love and in the ultimate expression of love in sacrifice and surrender, that you and I would have the opportunity of life eternal. And it's a love that requires our response. Friends, I simply ask you today, where are you as it relates to the love of God actively at work within you? Is the love of Jesus just a simple acknowledgement that flows with the account of the passion of Christ and ultimately the, the celebration of Easter? Is your celebration attached to the understanding of such great sacrifice? Is your own following of Jesus, when Jesus says, if anyone would come after me, they must take up their cross daily and follow me, that statement alone alludes to the fact that there is sacrifice that comes with following Jesus, but in that sacrifice comes great reward because in following Jesus comes the full expression of the love of Jesus at work in your life. This morning we celebrate that sacrifice. We're going to, in just a few moments, through the act of communion, acknowledge and recognize what great sacrifices Jesus made for us. But understand, the very reason he did that is because he loves you so deeply. And it's the love of Jesus in its redemptive nature it gives us the opportunity to make a redemptive decision, to, to welcome into our own lives, to receive for ourselves that thing known as salvation, eternal life in Christ for all who believe and all who proclaim Jesus Christ as Lord. I'm going to invite the team if they'll come back out. And I want us to take some moments this morning, even before we'll take communion, to reflect on the love of Jesus, to reflect on the sacrifice that was made for our sin, to reflect upon the path that was opened up through the death of, and the resurrection of Jesus so that in his love we might have life. And I want us to reflect, and I want us to pray, and I want us to consider, Jesus, where am I at with you today? Is the love of Jesus a true reality within me? Is it actively at work within my life, or is it simply just an acknowledgement that I know to be true with no personal experience? Friends, know today that 
in the relentless love of Jesus might even be described as the reckless love of Jesus because in pursuing that lost son, the prodigal son, literally means being recklessly extravagant to that story and that is the same God who pursues you in this journey of Easter. So I want to ask if you'd bow your heads for a few moments and I want us just to pray. And in these moments, I want us to reflect upon where our lives are at, Jesus, with you. And how receptive we have been to the sacrificial love that you have expressed on our behalf. Jesus in my place. Jesus taking on my sin. Jesus offering me the forgiveness that only comes in him. Friends, might we reflect, might we embrace the love of Jesus that is ours today so that the celebration that is to come on Easter might be with the understanding of the sacrifice that was made by our most capable Savior, Jesus Christ. God, I pray that as we take stock of our own lives, that we would open our hearts up to you. God, that if there would be anyone here today who has not received you as their Savior or Lord, or maybe listening or following online today, God, that right now, wherever we may be at, God, we may open up our lives to you, that we would simply acknowledge our sin and that's not simply done it requires humbling of ourselves but that we would acknowledge our sin that we would confess our sins that we would receive your forgiveness and that you would be Lord of our lives that you would be our Savior Jesus we thank you that you are one who relentlessly pursues us. When lost, you are about finding us. God, when maybe off course, you are about providing some recorrective course. When we feel caught, just lost in condemnation, God, you extend grace and love and mercy and compassion. Lord, I pray for each of us that we would choose to walk with you, that we would trust you with our lives. And we thank you, God, for your love. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. I want to encourage you today that if you have made a decision, or again, for those online today, that you would share that with someone, that you would share that with another believer. So that there can be an encouragement, that there can be accountability, or come and share it with one of your pastoral staff so that we can be praying for you, so that we, we can be walking alongside you, so that maybe this journey to Easter will look like no other journey you've ever had in the season of Lent because you have embraced the amazing, immeasurable, uncontainable love of God. So this morning... In recognition of that, we take our communion in this very different space and time where we've got our self-contained communion this morning and those joining us on home, however that may look.
We take that wafer, we take the bread representing the body. Jesus says, this is my body that was broken for you. Take this in remembrance of me. You can take your mask down to do this. A little hard not to, right? Let's take that together. And in the same way as Jesus was with the disciples in the upper room, he gave thanks and he passed the cup and he said, this is what represents my blood of a new covenant. He said, take this in remembrance of me. Let's do that together. Friends, might you recognize that you have a God who is incredibly in love with you. You have a God who is for you. You have a God who pursues you. You have a God who wants to reconcile and bring restoration and redemption to your life. May that be the story of your journey to Easter.